God is good. Thank you. God is so good. My God is so good. You know, that song was old school. But, man, let me tell you something. It was new life for me. And it reminded me of who I was, who God is, and what he did. And I am so grateful to be here this morning and not only be able to worship with you all, but, man, truly be able to worship the King, King Jesus. And, uh, man... Lord, there's no turning back. There's none like you. And what you do, God, what you start, you finish. And I thank you for your presence, Lord. We worship you, Lord. I'm usually not emotional, but see, you all don't know. You know, my home life was tough, right? And I was one of those that that forbade people from talking to me about Jesus. And I said that I will never serve him. And here I am. I gave up on him. But he never gave up on me. And when I felt that I was without a father, he was my father. And when my earthly father failed me, he never did. These are tears of joy, by the way. They are. They are. Hey, I'm excited today. Because I know God is here. And man, he, he, he wants to fill you. He wants to change your life. He's faithful. And I pray that this morning, whether you're watching online, you're here this morning, don't get distracted. Don't miss out on what God has for you. Amen? So you guys know that I like things to be a little interactive. All right? You all know that, right? So. So I'm going to ask you, what are you doing? And you know what you're going to tell me? I'm growing. So what are you doing? If you're watching us online, I'll ask you, what are you doing?
Put in that chat box, I'm growing. Because there's no turning back. It's upward. That's the only way. Going upward. I want to start with Isaiah 61, 11. For as the earth brings forth its bud. That's describing the coming of God's salvation. As the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth. So the Lord God will cause righteousness or deliverance. And praise to bring forth before all the nations. Matthew 6.33 But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. See, a lot of people stop at the beginning. But seek first the kingdom of God. And then they tell you, and all these things shall be added unto you. No, church. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things shall be added unto you. You know, the Christian life grows when you choose Christ first. By the way, this is the title, Growing for Jesus. Growing for Christ. That's our title today. Growing to be like Christ. You know that some have faith, but no walk. If you think about a fan base, right? These guys here, they rearrange their schedule. They wear uh, these crazy paint. They wear crazy paint, crazy hats, crazy clothing. Why? Because they feel that their team is important that their team is worth even the extreme temperatures. And you perhaps here today say, well, I'm not a morning person, Fernie. But if you are dearly attached to something, you will reorient your priorities and be there. We never have time, we say, right? But we always have time for what's first. We always have time for the things that we value. And to love God first is to passionately pursue his pleasure. And sadly, unfortunately, God is always taking the back seat. We think about him only when we get around to it. <laughs> what are you doing? You see, he's in a position in our lives if we happen to get around to it. And church, everything that's growing means that it's healthy. And your life together with God, with other Christians, begins with connection to Jesus. Time with other believers. And that deepens, right? That will continue to deepen and grow as you deepen in those connections. You know, David was discouraged. And in Psalm 42, he says, I am going to go to God. 
I am going to go and find help. What is it that affected his discouragement? He looked at a different direction. He looked at what God was going to do. Even when he couldn't see him. He looked by faith. And that's why church is so important. Because it is a place where you will find encouragement. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Hebrews 10.25. Thank you. You guys are good. Good job, man. Good job. Hebrews 10.25. Not giving up meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing. What are you doing? Whoa, got no right. Woo. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, church is supposed to be a place where you find people who will keep you looking at God even when you can't see them. And you know that Israel was discouraged. They couldn't enter into the promised land. And you know why? Because they chose to listen to the people that couldn't see God instead of the ones that could. And that's what happens to you. That's what happens to me. When we surround ourselves with people that can't see God and we begin to listen to them. We miss out on the things that God has for us. By the way, that's just the appetizer. It's not even the message. What are you doing? Turn your Bibles to John 15, verse 1. So what is it that enables a branch to bear fruit? It's the nourishment that comes from the soil, through the roots, into the vine, and through the branches. That's how it works, right? And farmers have an understanding of something. They understand that the vine is a source of life and of nourishing Okay, or nourishment for the branches. And look what John says. I am the true vine. Church, Jesus is the true source of spiritual life. What are you doing? And my father is the vine dresser. He is the one that removes the things that are not fruitful. He's the one that prunes He's the one that disciplines. And we need to be connected to produce good fruit. What are you doing? John 15, 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. The Lord will remove the things that will hinder your growth. The Lord will remove the things that hurt you, that hurt growth. And it continues. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. He cleans. He disciplines. Why? That it may bear more fruit. 
No, the Greek word for takes away is iro. And the basic meaning of it is to lift up. In other words, the point is to encourage the fruitless branch, all right, to make it easier to get air, to get light, in hopes that it will produce fruit. And did you know that the natural inclination, what are you doing? Did you know that the natural inclination of a branch is to actually go back into the dirt? You know what your natural inclination is? I asked you, what are you doing? Our natural inclination is to go back to our old self. To go back into our own sin. You know, new plants, these new plants are pruned for three to five years to train them, to get them ready before they are allowed to produce crop. And I say that to you because the purpose of pruning is to actually shape the plant by controlling, ready, by controlling the direction, by controlling the direction of your plant growth. That's what pruning does to us. Pruning is a process by which sin, meaning a bad habit, an attitude that you and I have is removed from your life so that you can be more fruitful. What are you doing? You know that vines need cleaning as well? They need to be cleaned from insects, mildew, fungus. And you know what happens to Christians? You and I need to go through a process of cleaning too. <laughs> yeah. We need to go through the process of cleaning from the things of the world that try to cling onto us. What are you doing? When I was younger, I decided to go and work and uh, I decided to go and start cleaning boats. So I would go with this hose underwater, right? To start cleaning all these boats. And uh, we would remove everything from the hole, right? The barnacles and things like that. And uh, it, it, I say now that it's funny, right? But then it wasn't funny. But you all can laugh with me, at me, whatever it is. But, you know, the purpose of removing these barnacles, right, is because if you don't remove them, the damage can be severe, I don't think you heard me. The damage can be severe if you don't remove the barnacles. And you have to be cleansed. Because things that are trying to cling on to you or things that you're trying to cling on to are going to bring destruction. And they're going to try to ruin you. So one of those moments that I was cleaning, right? You know, I'm there cleaning and cleaning. I was excited. You can't see anything. And all of a sudden, I get hit on the leg. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I lost my leg. I thought it was a shark. So I'm there like swimming, whatever. In my mind already, I didn't even like feel my leg. I don't even think that I tried swimming with it. I was like, ah, like that. 
You know, and here are the people out there like looking at me, and they're like saying, What's wrong with you? Man, I got hit, this and that. Man, and when I looked, it was like a baby dolphin. A little thing was like this and hit me, and I thought I lost my leg. But you know what? That's how we feel when we don't get cleansed. We feel like we lost a limb. We feel like we can't function. We're not functional, that we're not useful. So, what are you doing? You need to always look for things that need pruning in your life. Verse 3 and 4. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. You know, the lives of the disciples were already being shaped by obedience to the word that Jesus had already taught them. And it says, abide. In other words, dwell, settle, stay in me. And this is referring to a deep fellowship with God. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides, unless it settles, unless it stays, unless it dwells in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. You know that bearing fruit is a process? How many of you have ever planted a tree of, of mango or, or seed of mango? Man, how long does that take? Man, I love mango. But dude, I don't have the patience to put it in my backyard to have mango. It just takes too long. Give me the ones that are already out there. And you know that sometimes you and I don't want to go through the process to bear fruit. What are you doing? We don't want to go through the process. Because sometimes the process is hard. It's tough. Sometimes it hurts. Verse 5. But I am the vine. Are we really connected to God? And you are the branches. He who abides, he who dwells, he who settles, he who stays in me and I in him bears much fruit. And how is it that you and I abide? By obeying. And when you obey in turn, guess what? You bear fruit. For without me you cannot do Anything apart from Christ, church, a believer cannot, will not be able to accomplish anything of permanent spiritual value. And if you would only know that God wants to do great things in your life, God wants to do great things in your family, God wants to do great things, but the problem is that you must be connected. And it is in that continued dependence on Christ that you and I will be able to grow in Christian character and witness. And it's not a question of the branch living its life for the vine. But simply allowing the life of the vine to flow out through the branches. If you're like me, I've prayed this before. 
Lord, help me to live my life for you. Anybody ever done that prayer? Hey, if you guys online have done that prayer, hey, give me a little high five, little hand. I have, right? Raise your hand, if you will. How many of you here have ever prayed that? Lord, help me to live my life for you. Let me give you a different prayer that has changed my life. You ready? Lord, live your life through me. Lord, live out your life through me. What are you doing? Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch. Now, this is not Christ casting you out. Okay? These are other believers. As you continue to sin, guess what happens? Your testimony is ruined. What are you doing? And it withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. You know that sometimes you and I are so focused on what we go through, on our experience, that man, that we, we don't stay connected. And we lose fellowship. We lose vitality. We lose the energy. We lose the strength. We lose the power to continue. And eventually we miss out on rewards. What are you doing? See, when you go back to the world church, People will throw your testimony out. That happened to David when he was careless. And he committed adultery. And he committed murder. You know what happened to him? The enemies of the Lord blasphemed. As a matter of fact, even today, atheists, they ridicule the name of David and his God. That's what happens. When you and I go back to the world, our testimonies are ruined. When we're no different than they are, that's what happens. John 15, 7 and 8. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, what are you doing? What are you doing? You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you by this. My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. I'm going to let you guys in in a secret. You ready? Abiding is the secret to a successful prayer life. Let me say it again for those of you who are taking notes. Abiding is the secret to a successful prayer life. So the closer that you and I get to the Lord, the more we learn to think like Him. The more we get to know the Lord through His Word, the more we will understand His will. The more our will agrees with His, not, not His with ours, right? Ours with his, the more you can be sure that your prayers will be answered. What are you doing? You know, there are five things that I want to share with you that happen when you abide in Christ. Here they are. I think they should come out back here, right? 
So your prayers are answered. You bear fruit. There's a fulfilled purpose. We become his disciples. And ultimately, God is glorified. And you know that Christ links remaining, or he links abiding, right? In him with obedience. Obeying him. And people who believe will consistently do what pleases Jesus. Why? Because true belief and behavior can't be separated. The way we behave is based on what? Our beliefs. We can't disconnect it. And you know that many people pray and accept Jesus as their Savior. But then they don't go out and do what he says, what he teaches. And you know what? I'd like to, I'd like to give you an example for a moment here. All right? What are you doing? So let's say that Fernie shows up to your house, to your house, to your house. All right? And I walk in, and I start going into your room. I start going into, it doesn't matter, you have one room, two rooms, three rooms, five rooms, six rooms, ten rooms. I just start going into all of your rooms. And then I say, you know what? Let me look things up here. I look under your bed. I start opening your drawers. I know. You all got to see all these guys' face. They're, they're all like looking at me like, no. Like, yeah, right. And you all are ready. As I'm talking to you, you already think about a room that you're like saying, you're not going to go in there? Mm -mm. There's no way. I will hurt you, Fernie, if you try to go there. But humor me for a moment. Then I go to your closet. And I start looking through your closet. Then I'm going to do the daring thing and go into your garage. Right? It's no longer a garage for a car. It's storage. And I start going through your stuff, right? But then, I'm like, this is just not enough for me. I'm not satisfied with this. Now I go ahead and I start rearranging your house. I go and I say, you know what, man? Uh, this living room, I think, belongs more in the family room. And I start saying, I'm telling you guys, you should see their faces. They're like, mm, mm, mm. What are you doing? Growing. Growing. Do you know why you all are uncomfortable with what I just told you? Because I'm nobody. I'm just a guest in your house. I'm nobody to go into your house and go into the rooms, open drawers, go under your bed, all these things. Like, I'm a nobody. I know you all think I'm crazy. But you know something? You know, when you guys have get-togethers and stuff, if you notice, you close the doors to certain rooms that you don't want people to peek in or to see. 
because it's not their business. Or they don't have to look. And did you all know that we have prayed and accepted Jesus as our Savior? And do you know why we don't go out to live what he does? It's because we never made him our Lord. And the Bible says that, you're, that we're the temple. In other words, we're a dwelling place. In other words, we're a house. In other words, in our hearts, there's different rooms. And you know what? What we do to God, what we do to Jesus, we say, hey, you can't go in there. I don't want you to touch that. You know what? I don't want you to see this. As a matter of fact, you know what? Hey, hey, everybody, I'll be right out before you show your room and you go in and you start cleaning it. And then you open the door and you let the people in. And it doesn't work like that with Jesus. What are you doing? You got to let him be Lord of your house, both physically and spiritually. You got to let him in. You need to understand that the guest is you. So get your key, your spiritual key, and you know what, and say, Hear God. Do what you need to do. Rearrange what you need to rearrange. But pruning is hard. Pruning hurts. Because sometimes we don't want God to go into a room, that deep, dark room, and start uncovering and peeling things out of our lives. What are you doing? And that's what happens, church. We want to grow. But we're not doing the things that we need in order to be able to provide growth. Because you see, if there are things that are impeding our growth, there will not be any growth. So there are a few things that I'd like to tell you that we can draw nourishment from the vine. A few ways. And I'll name them for you. You ready? Praying. Reading scripture, meditating on God and His Word, believing in Him, drawing life from Him, devoting our time to Him, both alone and with others. See, sometimes you feel or you think that we need to grow alone. And that's not biblical. You're not supposed to do life alone. Others sharpen you. Others encourage you. Others love on you. Others support you. Others correct you. Woo! Woo! Some of you didn't like that one. Taking in what the Word of God says to you. Bringing the reality of God into your minds. 
allowing the reality of God to control your mind, your feelings, your actions. Because in reality, believing in Him without acting on those beliefs daily makes no sense. But there are also things that will hinder your nourishment. Sin will separate us from God. Sin will get you disconnected. Yesterday, I had like four power outages in my house. And my wife was watching like this. I don't even know what she was watching because I was studying. I really don't. Hey, the internet. I'm like, all right, I'm studying. But I, I didn't think in my mind that I wasn't connected to the internet because my studying wasn't in the internet. You understand me? She's like, man, the Wi-Fi, this and that. And you know, I have backup batteries and things like that. And uh, I said, oh, okay, I know how I'm going to fix this. So I went and I got an extension cord. And I connected all the devices that dealt with Wi-Fi and Internet. And I went to the backup battery. And there's a part, you need to understand this. There's a part that says search, but there's another part that when you plug it in there, even if the power goes out, you are still connected. And that's what you got to plug into. You got to plug into God, the source, that it doesn't matter if the power goes out out there. You're still connected and you're still in power. But sin disconnects you from that power. Unfaithfulness. Wickedness. Being evil, morally wrong. Transgression, violation of the law or command. When you willfully say, God, I know that you don't like this and I'm doing it anyway. What are you doing? Well, there's good news. Because I'm going to show you what a fruitful Christian life looks like. You ready? Galatians 5 22 and 23 but the fruit of the spirit the spirit produces this fruit through the believer that's in union with Christ it's love the self-denying self-sacrificing agape unconditional love that God has It's joy, the inner rejoicing that the Lord brings from a deep abiding, a deep stay, and a deep settling with Him. Peace, the tranquility that Christ can only bring. Long-suffering, the patience, the endurance, the forbearance, kindness, being gracious. What are you doing? Faithfulness, keeping our promise and staying to the task. Gentleness, 
the meekness, the controlled strength that we need. Self-control, restraint of our natural impulses against such there's no law. There's no law because these virtues please God. These virtues are beneficial to others. These, these, these virtues are beneficial and good to you, for you. What are you doing? Stand to your feet. If you're watching us, I'd invite you to please stand to your feet as well. Let's give the Lord a few moments here to minister to us. And I'm going to ask you here, as you're, you're here live and those watching online, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads to avoid any type of distraction. And you know, church, we have to make the hard decisions about, about our priorities in order for us to make time for God. You see, if you and I are going to grow in Christ, we must make a commitment to Him. We need to understand that God demands to be first. Loved first. Followed first. First in your planning. First in your consideration. He wants to cut the line. He doesn't any longer want to be put off. Wherever you position, God will greatly affect yes. your experience with Him. And you know, we experience these worries and these anxieties. And you know why we experience them? we're experiencing them? It's because God is not positioned first. The antidote to anxiety, the antidote to worry, is repositioning God to first place. That He be first in your life. And this morning, if you do not have, have made Jesus Savior and Lord of your life, to place Him first, I want to give you that opportunity. The Bible teaches us that for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. The book of Romans teaches us that if we confess with our mouth, but we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved. And I'm going to have the church pray this prayer with me. Those of you online, pray it with us. God, I know I'm a sinner. And on my own, I cannot get to you. But I believe that Jesus is your son who came to earth 
lived a perfect life, went to the cross, and died for my sins by shedding his blood. And on the third day, rose from the dead. And today, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and not just be my Savior, but be my Lord. Today, write my name in the book of life. And today, I am yours and you are mine. In Jesus' name. If you made that prayer online with us, and you made Jesus your Savior and your Lord, let us know. Put there in the comment box, put Jesus. And let us know that you made a decision to make Jesus your Lord and your Savior. But if you are here this morning, I don't want to let you go. Without you rearranging your priorities. Enough is enough. You're tired of putting God and pushing Him up to the side. It's time, church, to make Jesus the priority. It's time to make God first in our lives. The first that we love on. The first that we consider. The first that we follow. That Jesus is our first in every area of our lives. Worship Him there where you're at and just talk to Him and make Him your first. Father, we love you, God. And we will not turn back. We want to grow and we understand that in growth, we need pruning, but we need the connection to you and go through the process. And I pray, Lord, that we may allow you to not just be Savior, but to be Lord in every aspect of our lives. That we will stay connected to you. That we will abide. That we will settle. That we will dwell with you. Jesus' name. Amen. Let us worship.